Peace and blessings, people. Peace and blessings, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Trailblazers Radio. I am your host, Mr. F.L. Beattie, and more importantly, you are tuned into the Arthur's Alley. Again, I am your host, Mr. F.L. Beattie. We have a wonderful and very powerful show for you guys tonight. The lady that is to my the lady to and the lady to the lady that is to my right. I will introduce her in just a moment. But before we um, do any get into any of that, I'm going to drop a couple, a couple of announcements here. So first and foremost, continue to follow us on our Facebook page at Trailblazers Radio and also on our YouTube page at Trailblazers Radio as well. We also have an Instagram page um, at Trailblazers Radio. And we also have a LinkedIn page um, at Trailblazers Radio. So please follow us on those on those pages and those sites. Uh, we most definitely appreciate you guys for doing that. And I, we, I want to just thank our viewers and our listeners for continuing to follow us and continue to listen to or to listen to us and continue to watch our pro our um our podcast and our um and our content we most definitely appreciate that very very much um you guys just don't know how much we appreciate that and we thank you so very much from the bottom of our hearts um a couple things that i do want to jump out get out really quickly um we are pro we will be we will be one year old and on october the 14th October 14th is when I when I started this particular podcast, this particular platform. So we're going to be a year old on that on that date. Um, so what we're going to do, we're going to try to plan. We're going to we're going to try to plan a podcast for just to just to commemorate and celebrate that time. So you guys keep your eyes and ears open for the date and the time of that. Also, um, keep your eyes and ears open for my for my two beautiful hosts miss quint jones and miss coco fenton they have with my now my life has destiny podcast they have some great content that'll be coming up really some great content that'll be coming up so you guys keep your eyes and ears open for that as well so enough with the peripheries and i want to get right down to the nitty-gritty so this young lady that's arrayed to my right your your left or however you're viewing really needs no introduction um, I met this young lady. I met this young lady um, as a guest of a good friend of mine, Sheena Gerdine, in one of one of her podcasts, and we had a very, 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 very powerful conversation um, as it pertains to the subject, the subject that we're the subject at hand that we that we talked about that day. And I was most I was most definitely intrigued of, intrigued about her story and about which in the books that she read a book that she's written. So, with that being said, we had a con- we had a conversation, mm-hmm. and I asked her to come aboard. And as you guys can see, tell here she is. But, ladies and gentlemen, this is first and foremost. This is a very powerful woman with a very powerful story, with a very very powerful book, and she's got some other things going on that that I'll let her uh, that I'll let her tell you guys about. But, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I want to introduce to you the the lady of the hour, the queen of the hour. Miss Melanie M. Johnson. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. I'm honored to be our guest here at Trailblazers Radio. And I was honored when I was actually um, on the original podcast with Mr. Beattie and to hear his story as well. It's kind of like they intertwined. And to have this opportunity to share with you guys tonight about my story and my book is amazing. It's something that I hope that you guys will be able to gather some information from and to be able to uh, improve upon yourself. I always 
look to try to encourage and motivate. And that's what I try to do in my book and in my stories. Cool. I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to the conversation we're about to have, too. So, yeah. I mean, just to kind of just jump right into this, really. Um, when, you know, when did you start? When did this this when did this writing journey of yours begin? It's funny that you asked. It was almost a year ago. <laughs> um, it was August of 2020. And I had um, recently started writing, um, just journalizing to myself. And uh, one of my mentors asked me, uh, why don't you share this information with other people? Why don't you write a book? And my first response was, I don't think anybody wants to hear what I have to say. And he said, you would not imagine uh, the number of people that may be experiencing the same thing and nobody's talking about it. And that's where I got the name of the book. Um, if you don't mind me interjecting, um, it's called Womanly Wisdom. I don't know if you can see it. And the tagline is what they couldn't tell me. And it, it reminded me of things that I went through that nobody could tell me about. I had to experience those things on my own. And because nobody was talking, it was like a hush hush subject of what, you know, the struggles and the things that we go through. Nobody's being helped from it. So mm-hmm. I made my aunt a promise because I had a, a family member that uh, was in a, a tragic situation. And she my aunt told me, she said, I think that if she could have talked to you, she might still be here. And I made a promise to my aunt that day that I would not be silent. And this was my way of not being silent. Indeed, indeed. And, you know, from so so a year ago, you started writing. Yes. And now and now that you now you got the now that you're you're a published author and things of that nature. I want how does how does that kind of that feel to be able to have your book, your baby in your hand? Um, It feels um, out of this world. It feels like an out of body experience. Um, I I originally was writing for myself as a journal. And when I decided to put it in the hands of my editor, um, he read it and he was like, this is powerful. It's going to help some people. And the first thing I thought about, I said, well, I'm just a little girl (laughs) from a rural Mississippi town. And I don't know if people are going to relate to what I have gone through. And my publisher um, took me on and put it on on Amazon. And the first day that I saw my name listed on Amazon, I was in my classroom and I cried because I couldn't imagine that somebody else would get an opportunity to read my story and to hear my words and to get the influx of people sending in requests to get autographed copies from me. It was like, I'm not a celebrity. I'm just me. And I couldn't believe the influx of people just wanting to get my signature. And they were like, I want I want your signature. I want to get your experience from you personally. And to do that, to realize how much people want to connect to you. It was it was amazing. And it's kind of like an out of body experience because sometimes I have to pinch myself and say, is this real? (laughs) <laughs> Are people really reading my words and getting something from it? And I wanted to share something. Um, I had a lady that I've never met before. 
to reach out to me after uh, my mom sent her a message and she wanted the book and I mailed her one and she actually wrote me a letter. I mean, a, a card wow. and to get a handwritten card. This is a handwritten card. It's wow. not a card that somebody just picked up. It's a handwritten card they took to get her words like that. that she took her time to write, to thank me for writing. I carry this with me every day. It goes with me to work. And it's a constant reminder of the fact that I matter. What I do is going to impact somebody either positively or negatively. So I got to make the choice. How do I want to impact somebody? Do I want to be somebody that somebody be the one that somebody says, mm, I hate I've met her. Or do I want to be the person that's, that when people think of me, they think of, wow, I can't believe I met that kind of an individual. So that's wow. my reminder. I like that. I like that a lot. I really do like that. That's kind of like, I mean, to, to have a, a handwritten card with someone that took the time to write in a card <laughs> with, you know, giving you you know, praises and compliments, man, look, and and, I would, I would be like, yeah, I'll take it with me too, everywhere. And the fact that this lady lives in another whole state, I've never met her and she's 84 years old. Wow. That, that was amazing to me. That's, that's even better. That's even better, really. Yeah. That's even better, really. So did you all, did you always want to write or this was this something that you decided to do, you know, at that particular point in time in August of 2020, was it something, did you want, did you always want to write or did you, what did you just come to the conclusion that you had to write this at that time? I, I used to try to journal, um, years ago and in my situation, I was not allowed to. So mm. I knew that putting those words out instead of holding them in would be beneficial to me. So in 2020, when I decided that, okay, I'm going to just write and express myself the way I want to express myself. It was, it was humbling. It was amazingly um, refreshing to feel that I didn't have to hold it, uh, hold all those thoughts in anymore. And once I started writing, um, I would discuss some things that I was writing with some people and to hear them relate to it it made me think, okay, maybe my words will relate to somebody, people that I know. So that's when I decided, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to actually make it a publication or try to at least because somebody may be helped from it. It was never a, a goal of mine to say, I'm going to be a writer. Cause I, at that time with the, my self-esteem issues, I didn't think anybody wanted to read them. So it wasn't like a, a major goal that I always had. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So you, mm -hmm. so it's something that you, that you didn't necessarily, you couldn't do at one point. But then, now, is this correct for me to say, as your situation, as your situation deteriorated, it just became something more important, more important for you to do? Yes. Um, well, actually, the deterioration had happened before, and this was part of the healing process. Ah. And I just rode and wrote and I never realized how much um, I would benefit from my writing and it became a part of me that any spare time I had I just wanted to write I I, I don't want I used to spend my spare time going to the movies by myself mm -hmm. 
And now I find that if I got an hour, I just want to sit and write. And it's not, it's not like, oh, I have to write. It's like I get to write. Mm. And it is so, um, it's, it's, it's just wonderful just to have that feeling of I can express myself. Wow. And I'm pretty sure that the writing experience was very, was very cathartic for you as well because mm-hmm. it allowed you to put those feelings and those thoughts out and, uh, you know, gave you that part, gave you that, that, that outlet for healing. Yes. Yes. Wow. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm, Wow. I mean, I, I, and I know that I write for the same reasons, you know, just for healing. And then hopefully that someone understands, someone picks it up and they understand what I understand, what I'm saying um, when I write. So this is now this is now let me if I if I understand this correctly, this is something that's based up. You you wrote this based upon your own a personal experience. Yes. Yes. Um, it's based upon my experiences growing up and being a person who wasn't sure of themselves because I always listened to what they said and I always wanted to be the person that everyone else would approve of. And in that process, I lost myself. Yeah. We can lose ourselves in trying to, trying to be, trying to be approving for everybody else. Yes. I, I can personally speak. I can, I can speak from personal experience from that particular part of it. Um, as far as the difficulty in writing this, once you kind of got yourself, got yourself, got you know, got yourself into a place of where you could write this and really just be expressive of what you what you were wanting to put what you were wanting to say and put out. How difficult was this? Was it was it or or should I or should I even say how easy or how difficult was it? Uh, it was both easy and difficult. The writing part, once I started writing, the flow of it was easy because it was it was just coming, but the emotion behind the writing was very hard mm-hmm. because writing this, I had to experience all of the abuse, all of the uh, mental stress, all of the um, every negative and positive uh, feeling that came with each chapter. I had to experience it all over again. And I would find myself writing to the point where I'm just writing and the only way I knew I was done is I was crying and I was just exhausted and I fell asleep. And when I fall asleep, mm. that was the end of the chapter. Mm. Wow. Right. And writing something like that with there was such an emotional impact and then having to relive all that stuff back in, in your own mind and put it in trans translate it and transcribe it to paper. Yeah, that that would that that would that would bring about a lot of strong emotions, but also kind of put you to the point of like you know now did you ever question yourself when it when you wrote this did you ever question ask yourself you know why am i writing this what or what your or what you felt your purpose of writing this was yes i did um in the beginning it was just for me and when i decided to um write a book out of my journal my journaling um i sent my first couple of chapters to my editor and who was also my mentor. And um, he he knew some the things that, some of the things I'd gone through from my mentoring sessions. And one of the things he said is, why are you playing it safe? <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? And he said, the things that you're going through, in order for it to really be impactful, 
you got to be open. You got to be transparent. And that's when I started to wonder, okay, who, who am I writing this for? Am I writing it for me? Or am I writing it to help somebody else? Because if I write it for me, I can just put little things in there that's going to help remind me of the things I went through. But somebody else that's reading it, they're not going to have those memories, those experiences. So I got to be pretty detailed and I got to tell them what it felt like. I got to describe it for them. So at that point in time, I had to revamp how I wrote the book and I had to be raw and real and relevant so that someone else could read it, understand the emotions and understand what what would need to be done to get past mm-hmm. that kind of situation. Wow. So so you so your probably so your so your mentor literally just told you to take take the limit take, take the limiters off. Yes. <laughs> and that hurt. That hurt because the first thing I thought about was, okay, if I'm writing this book and I just get real with it, my parents are gonna <laughs> my parents are gonna see this. What are they gonna think? Um what how will the people who know me react to it? And I had to weigh that cost because I had been through so much. I didn't want and in the past, I was so concerned with what other people thought of me. I didn't want to jeopardize any relationships that I already had. But to do that would mean that I would not be helping other people who might need to understand that feeling. So I had to weigh that cost and I had to pray about it. And I went ahead and revamped everything that I did because um, I had to go for the, what was provide the greater good. Of course, of course. Mm-hmm. And I know having no tail, I know taking the limiters off was something that was like, like you mentioned before, very painful. And, mm-hmm. but also probably, you know, a lot of emotional upheaval with that as well, because you felt like you wasn't ready to do that just yet. But then also, I think when you mentioned that the fear of some, a fear of the fear of people that you know, that know you your parents, you know, good friends, maybe some other relatives that you're close with, maybe reading this and seeing that part of you, you know, then then it's difficult to, to do something like that Mm -hmm. because then you have people to look at you in a different light and they'd be like, wait a minute, this is not, this is not who we thought she was. Exactly. Yeah. Because I never, cause I never told you guys what I was going through at the time. You know, that these, these are, these are things that are hidden. And, what would I mean and kind of staying on staying right there on that course when those people that I mentioned, your parents, you know, good friends, people that you are that you are that you have close relationships with, mm-hmm. what was their reaction when they read this? And then they they kind of they kind of put two and two together and it equaled four for them. Um when my parents got my book, um my mom read it first. And I was sitting at work and she sent me a a text message to let me know that she had picked up my book at like five in the morning Mm -hmm. and she read it straight through and she ended it like nine in the morning to know that my mom said, set aside that much time to read my words and to understand. And she was so supportive of what she read and some of the things she did not know, but she was not critical of me. Mm. for sharing and she actually um told me that my book is going to be able to help a lot of people 
So she was very supportive. And then I think it was the next day my dad read it and he was um, just as supportive. He, uh, along with my mom, they didn't know a lot of the things I was going through. But after reading it, he was so supportive that he started telling all his friends, his, my dad's a minister. He talked mm. to his minister friends about it and he wanted to, my book to make the greatest impact on the greatest number of people. So he believed in my words. Mm. Um, and I got the same type of responses from my friends and fellow coworkers. Wow. That's, and I think that's important to get the kind of, get the, the positive responses from those people first. Because mm-hmm. then once the once those people see it, they're they're able to kind of, you know, translate those pot translate that to other people and try to encourage them to get to either read the book or just at least take a glimpse of it and trying to un- to understand what you know what you where you were where you were where you were as compared to where you are, mm-hmm. you know, to have and I and I can and now that's something I can relate to personally because it was. It was extremely difficult for my for to get out my first and my second book, and even contribute to the two um, anthologies that I'm that I'm currently that I'm part of, you know. But the moment, the moment my mom read it, the moment my mom picked it up, the moment my my dad read it, mm-hmm. the moment my you know my uncles and everybody else read it, and then the close friends that I do have, they were like, "Wow, we didn't we didn't know this." Mm-hmm. Or better yet, we didn't know you had we didn't know you had this level of creativity in you. Wow. And it's I'm like you, it, it felt really it feels really it feels really good to have those people behind you. Mm-hmm. Because those people are gonna be the those are gonna be the ones that's gonna support you, you know, regardless of who picks up a book, who picks up a book or who doesn't. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be those stalwart, those stalwart supporters that's gonna say, Hey, that's and they're not gonna say it just because based upon the fact that's my you know, that's my daughter or that's my good friend or that's my best friend. They're going to say it because they actually read what you wrote and they, and they believe it and they stand behind it. Right. Because my, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. My expectation was that they would read it and tell me it was nice or go on, but I never expected them to reach out to their friends and their uh, associates and, and give them an opportunity to, also, you know, share my words and read my words and to get the responses from the people that they know. I mean, I had, I was sending books out, orders out just to people. I didn't, I had no connection with them, but they had connections with my parents and Mm. to see the influx of people just wanting to get those experiences. And when I see them, or when I open up my Facebook messenger and I see messages from them encouraging me, telling me, thank you. That lets me know that the purpose of the book was fulfilled. It's helping somebody. And that was my whole goal. It wasn't to be a tell all or a gossip book, but it was to help someone to heal like I'm healing. Right. Right. And one of our viewers said, uh, Miss Lynn Shamley said, I am so proud of you, Melanie. Yes, that was my first grade teacher. Oh my god! <laughs> when when she reached out and she asked for a copy of my book, it was so amazing. Most people remember students, you know, 
that they had last year and the year before. And me being a teacher, I went back in my mind. I was like, I'm thinking back to the students I taught in the beginning of my teaching career. And to have my first grade teacher reach out and say, I want a copy and then encourage me so well. It, It was truly an honor, truly an honor. Man, that's I, I love it. I love it. This and it's so and in this especially in this particular industry it is so hard to gain traction mm-hmm. with with a fan with a fan base. It's so mm-hmm. hard to gain traction, especially when you're writing about stuff that is that's personal but yet impactful. Right. Because people are look at it and they'll be like, "Well, nah, we we you just write that's just something that's fictitious and it ain't happened to you." Mm-hmm. And I and I tell folks all the time with my first two books, yes, it, yes, these things did happen to me. Yes. Just because they're just because I wrote them in a, in the form of fiction doesn't mean that they don't they didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, when people write these things, especially when they're writing about a subject matter that we're that you and I are both very familiar with, mm-hmm. they would they oh, man, I I get so I get so many questions saying, you know. Did that really happen to you as a guy, as a man? Did that really happen to you? You know, what were, what was you what were you thinking about it? And what how did you react to that? Look, you know, I tell them it did happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm here today because of my decisions. Mm-hmm. Not because of any actions that I not not because of any negative reactions I took, it's because of the decisions that I made mm-hmm. to leave that to leave that particular situation. Mm-hmm. And for those of you that are not well, there that are listening in and watching right now, we're I'm gonna have we're we're gonna jump, we're gonna get to that. So so I will so I am gonna ask this question directly. Um so without giving away any parts of the book, mm-hmm. what is this what what is this book about? What is what is, what is the what is the main subject matter that it pins upon? My book is uh the main subject matter is how to rise above a abusive, neglectful situation and be able to come out. I'm not, I'm not even going to say victorious because I'm still in the process. I'm still winning. So I haven't gotten the victory yet, but I'm still getting it because each day is a struggle. And right. I want it to be real and let people know that it's not a fairy tale. It's not like you wake up one morning and everything's great and everything's wonderful. It's a process. And if you go through the process, then you'll come out ahead and you just keep looking forward and you'll keep moving ahead. Wow. Yeah. True. True. Now, going to wade out, going to wade out here a little bit into a slight, slightly deeper water, but not too far deep. Mm-hmm. You know, as you're going, as you were going through your situation, um, the abuse, the neglect, um, and all the other things that that come that that accompany that, mm-hmm. and you were going through this process of, you know, healing and struggle, and then you know, eventually, you know, remove, eventually removing yourself from that situation. How? How? And this is something I think that could, this question I think is going to be very relevant for a lot of men and women who are going through the sim who are going through similar situations. How, as you're going through, how difficult is it to trust that process? Very difficult. I couldn't trust a lot of things, not even my own thoughts, um, because being in that situation, it causes you to think 
to de devalue yourself and to devalue anything that you think is right. So I had to rely on other people to try. I I, I did have to go to counseling, mm -hmm. um, professional counseling, uh, to allow myself to learn how to trust and have discernment again. Because I was an emotional wreck. And in that situation, you can't make logical decisions and you can't trust everything that you see to be what it is. Mm. Mm -mm. That's true. That is way true. Because even when you're going through, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this out loud because mm -hmm. I know a lot of people won't say it. Mm -hmm. But as you're going through your the, those situations, mm -hmm. It's really, really difficult to focus and see who, not even who, but what's what's real, what's imaginary, mm -hmm. um, who's for you, who's not for you. Mm -hmm. um, especially when you're going through all those emotions, and you, oh man, it's it's crazy to think about that. Because when I, because even when you mentioned that part of it, I thought about my own situation and how incredibly hard it was to focus on things focus on me focus on my job focus on um my my well-being my health it was it was difficult to do that and and like you mentioned earlier when when you're devalued you don't put you well you don't put any value in anything else because mm -mm. you know because when you don't value yourself you don't put value in any in anything anything or anybody else mm -hmm. because at that point you've been you feel that's how you that's how you've been defined mm -hmm. or that's how you've been been labeled or you know you've been put on this particular tell you've been put on this particular type of level mm -hmm. and you know i find that amazing that people that you know some i find it amazing and also horrifying that people that men and women and i'm not that men and women go back to those situations mm -hmm. and i just find it amazing and, and horrifying because you're going back you're going back for more punishment are you are you are you crazy a lot of people think that and i was one of those people i was like before i got into that situation i was like why they keep subjecting themselves to that type of punishment, that type of right. cruelty. But when you're in it, you don't see things that way. And one of the things I kept saying is the same thing. I know some other people out there saying right now, I'm just waiting for it to get better. I'm just waiting <laughs> for it. it it's going to get better. Just let me hang in here. I'm not going to give up. I put too much in this. So just let me hang in here and it's going to get better and things are going to work out. But you got to open up your eyes and see, are things getting better or are you adjusting to it? See that. And that's the trick. That mm -hmm. is a trick. Because if you're adjusting to it, then that means they're not getting better. It's not. Which means they're going to get they're going to get they're going to progressively worsen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think once you once, once you notice that things weren't getting better, you know, how hard how. And I always ask this question of people who've been of women and men who have gone through these particular situations. Once you realize that things weren't getting better, and you realize that you were going down this this one way this one one way road that that was going to lead to maybe one of, that that was going to have one or two conclusions to it. Mm -hmm. 
how difficult was it to to reset your mind? <laughs> if I tell you this, you're probably not going to believe it. But it, 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 in the beginning of my book, I make a reference to it um, biblically. But um, I spent 18 years trying to figure out how to change my mindset. I knew after five years that I needed to leave. And I stayed an additional 18 years trying uh -huh. to figure out how to get through it, how to how to change my mindset. Because during the first part of those 18 years, I was thinking that I needed to figure out how to change that person. And the whole time God was trying to tell me, no, I need to change how you're thinking. And it took me until about the, of those 18 years, about the 16th year or the 15th year to say, okay, you know what? I got to make some moves. It's not, it's not him or it's not them. It's me. I got to do it. I can't wait for somebody else to decide whether or not this, my situation is going to get better. I have to make that choice. I'm willing to bet that was probably one of the more difficult choices that you probably had to make. The most difficult choice I've ever had to make. Seeing as there were a lot of things invested, Mm -hmm. A lot of things that were, you know, brought into this, brought into, mm -hmm. brought into that situation. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty sure that was the most, I'm, well, I can pretty much guarantee that was probably one of the more difficult decisions I'm pretty sure you had to make yeah, because to make a decision like that and, and ladies and gentlemen, I want to, I want to say this because I want to, because I want to clarify one thing. In these decisions, well, in these situations, now, if you guys don't know what type of situations I'm talking about, I'm talking about abusive, abusive and neglectful situations. So we're talking about domestic abuse and neglect and things of that nature and, also, and, and violence as well. But in those situations, and I want to clarify this one point, those choices are not made in a vacuum. So when, and it's not based upon like, and I'm and I'm also going to clarify this other point. It's not like these lifetime movies that everyone sees, where the choice is like boom and they're gone. No, these choices are not made in a vacuum. And I say that because number one, the person that's to my right or left, however you're viewing. And myself had to make that, had to make that, just had to make that choice. And that choice was not made in a vacuum and it wasn't a spur of the moment decision. It came with a lot of thought process, mm -hmm. a lot of pro, a lot of looking at pros and cons, a lot of looking at consequences if this doesn't, if it doesn't go right. And what's going to happen if it goes right and then I'm able to, and I'm able to move and move and break free. So these choices aren't made in a vacuum. They're not spur the moment decisions. They're made with a lot, with a lot of thought process and a lot of, a lot of thought processes to what may happen because if it doesn't, if it goes South, it doesn't work though. If this doesn't work the way it's supposed to work, there's a consequence behind it. Mm-hmm. 
if it doesn't work the way you you plan it out, then there's another consequence behind it. Mm-hmm. And those consequences. And again, I'm going to I'm and I'm going I'm going to keep it real with everybody. Those consequences at times can be fatal. Yep. And if you and, and just like my 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 beautiful guest said here, you know, is it takes um, it takes a time takes time to do stuff to to come to a decision. You know, it took my beautiful guest here eighteen years eighteen years to figure out, um, and and this is no this is no knock on her, most definitely not a knock on her. It took her eighteen years to figure out that the that the situation she was in wasn't help wasn't helpful or healthful. And it wasn't going to do her any good. Mm-hmm. So, and again, this is not to wade out into deeper waters, but it's just for me to clarify that point, clarify your point, and make it even make it bring it even more, bring it and bring it home even more. Because a lot of people think that this is just like one of them. Uh, 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 uh. No, not at, not at all. all. And to hear you say those words are is. Um monumental because during my struggle of trying to decide whether or not to stay in that situation or leave, it became a life or death situation for me. I wear this bracelet um, because the colors represent suicide prevention awareness. And this month, uh, the month of September is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And I wear this because um, one of them, one of the charms says survivor. During my process, I attempted to end my life, not once, but twice. Mm. And because the pain of what you were just describing, do I stay? Do I leave? What is it going to be like if I leave? What if it doesn't work out? What if it doesn't work out when I stay? The pain of having to deal with that and not knowing was more than I thought I would be able to handle. So I did um, attempt to take my life twice, but the fact that God kept me here was part of the reason why I knew I had to write this book because I was here for a reason. And my reason was not a selfish one. It wasn't for me, this was for someone else. So that's why I wear these colors today is to remind me, had I been successful in trying to do that, I wouldn't be here to be helpful to somebody else right now. It also speaks speaks to a a great amount of strength and fortitude as well, because, you know, God saw fit to say no, Mm -hmm. not not so. God saw fit to say, "Uh -uh. uh-uh, I can't. I can't, I'm not, I'm not letting you do this to yourself because I have a greater purpose for you. Yes. And that greater purpose is this book, this, this book and this journal that you've written. Also, you know, your greater purpose is also the, this wonderful thing that you're doing, participating with so many other women. It's, yes. if, you know, if, if that would have happened, you never, you know, we never would have connected. Mm-hmm. We never would be here on this in this particular space in time tonight. Mm-hmm. 
we never would have connected on um, on Sheena's show in that particular space and space and time. Mm-hmm. And we never and we never would afford we never would have been able to forge a forge a friendship or anything of that nature. That's so, right. you know, I I thank God for just you know preventing that mm-hmm. because it, because if it would because if it were to happen, nobody would nobody there would be there would be no impact there would be no there be there be no change there be no there wouldn't be anything it'd just mm-hmm. be. And I'm to be I'm I'm being direct about this to say this, and I'm not I'm not saying it to be you know offensive or anything of that nature. There'd just be another, just be another, another grave with another with another sad epithet, epithet. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's that's crazy. That's to think about to think to think about that is crazy. Yeah. Even in my own situation, you know, to seriously consider that, and then not necessarily, and then try to go through with it and be unsuccessful about it. You know, it doesn't tell, it doesn't say, it doesn't say that you weren't, it doesn't say that you're a failure at do at you know taking your own life. It just it just lets you know that God has a different purpose, has a different way, different purpose for you, and there's a different direction He wants you to go. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know for I know for everybody that's a wake up call, you know, I say this for me to be transparent. My wake up call is when I was late when I was on my second attempt was, was laying on the ground, laying on the laying on the floor in my bedroom. Looking up at the wall. Wondering why the hell am I still here? So. Yes. And to, you know, it it speaks first of all, it speaks very highly. It speaks number one, just to say that you that you're still here speaks highly of the love God has for you. Number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, it speaks to the incredible amount of fortitude and courage that you have there. Number one, to even say to even put this out there, to say this to people, for to have people listen to that part of it because Unfortunately, what what Ms. Johnson just said just now, what my guest said just now, the suicide attempts are the are you are sometimes a result of though the result of going through abusive situations. Mm-hmm. So and and again to just to kind of clarify and put it out just again just to put this out there plainly. When, when you when someone when someone goes through an abusive situation, they're number one they're devalued. Number two, they are demoralized, mm-hmm. and their spirit is literally diminished. Mm-hmm. They don't have they don't have the will to fight. They don't have the will to resist. They don't have the will to to put up those resistances to to say the words to say no. It's all, mm-hmm. and they act they acquiesce. Mm-hmm. And you know, for for you to build build up your courage, build up your fortitude, build up your strength, and to tell yourself to tell yourself in your own mind enough's enough. That speak that speaks a lot to you know speaks a lot to how God has his hand how God has his hand on you, but it also speaks to your speaks to your own 
inner strength. And I most definitely commend you for that. And and I and I'm and I'm just like with uh, with Cheryl Jackson. She said, "Thank God you were not successful." I I'm, yes. I, I second that, Miss yes. Jackson. Thank God you were not yes. successful because if you were not, because if you were, because if you were, you would that that handwritten card that you keep with you. It wouldn't be there. And I the think students that I teach every day. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that and that mean and I I know because you keep it with you, it means mm-hmm. a whole lot. It does. It does. It means a lot. It, so. You were talking about how God has a purpose and he wanted me to be here. I just want to share a poem that I wrote. I included in my uh, first book, and it it kind of gives you an insight of the book and why I wrote it. Of and course. it's entitled Wisdom Revealed. Yesterday, I could not face the mirror. I did not value the image I would see. I preferred to ignore my wants and desires. I chose not to invest in me. I hated the person that I was inside. To plan for tomorrow, I began to dread. I had twice attempted to commit suicide. I thought it was much easier being dead. But time helped me to realize it was my thoughts of myself that were flawed. My life as a perfect wife, daughter, teacher was an example of me living a fraud. There's nothing wrong with me the way I am. I had to accept that day by day. I could not face this life alone, but with God, I could find a way. As you've read about my struggles and the pains I thought I had concealed, realize that this is not of my own understanding, but from God, this was wisdom revealed. That is a powerful, that was a powerful piece. I love I love it. I soul, I love that piece. Not only does it kind of gives a backstory to, you know, the reason as to behind this, the purpose in writing the book, but also kind of gives the reader a glimpse of to, you know, to who you are as a person, just a small glimpse until you until you devote, until you dive into it a little more deeper. Mm-hmm. So that that's a that is a beautiful piece. I, I love that piece. Thank you. It's it's amazing to, you know, to talk to people such as yourself, such as Sheena, um, so many other people that, you know, that I've, that I've been so happy to be connected with when we talk with, you know, to talk about, you know, domestic abuse and domestic violence. It's, it really just, it, I'm, I feel like this, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm amazed daily mm-hmm. about the, about the people that I talk, that I speak with because Everybody's story is unique, mm-hmm. but but at the same but at the same time, the endings are all the same. They left they left their situations. They came out as better people. They came out as stronger people. Mm-hmm. You know, and like you mentioned, like we said, like we talked about earlier, it's it's a process. It's a daily mm-hmm. process because there's because there's struggle behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, even though my even even though my situation happened like in the late 90s, 
there's still there's still residue from that. Yes. And that's it's a hard it's hard to it's hard to wash off sometimes. No matter I how kinda, many no matter how much you scrub, yeah, it's hard to wash <laughs> off. I kind of think of it, well, I do think of it as like um a, a soldier in war. Even though you've left the war situation, the memories, the feelings, the emotions are still there and anything could trigger it. I've learned that since I've gone through my healing process, I still have moments where I feel like I'm going through PTSD, mm. where something will trigger it and I will get that fear inside of me for a moment, even if it's just a brief moment and it's like a feeling, I'm like, where did that come from? But it's just right. like going through any type of trauma. You get those feelings of PTSD. And that's why I say it's a constant um, struggle every day. It's not like you're going to wake up one morning and all of that's going to be gone. You're still going to have your moments. But it's the fact that you can rise above it because you know that your situation is better now. You know that you have a future ahead of you. That gives you the strength to go on, to move forward. And forward progress is so very important. Yes. So very important. Yes. Um, so you know, you did mention that you now you did mention that you know that you that you um that you see that you said that you saw a counselor. Do you now do you still see that count do you still see that individual? No, um, I don't see that counselor. Um, but I do have a mentor that I work with and um I'm not a I'm not above going to counseling if I feel like I need it. I just, at that point in time, the counselor was available to me and I went and I used those services. But um, now I have sort of a mentor and the writing helps a lot. When I went to the counselor, I was not able to express myself at all. Mm. Um, but it's through the things. And it was, it was really, um, it was really amazing going there and getting help because I just thought that I really thought that I was myself was going crazy and I wanted to get myself like I need some help. And it wasn't until I participated in the uh, the activities that he had me to do. And one of them was activity where you had to listen to these different scenarios and let him know if you had if you experienced that or not and it would think it was like eight scenarios i had experienced seven of them and the scenarios were describing people who were in abusive situations so that's when i realized what i was going through was not all my fault it was not me i was not going crazy and i had to realize what kind of situation i was in and work to get myself out. In fact, the the uh, counselor that I was seeing, he actually told me to keep a bag packed because when you get ready, when you feel like you need to leave, you get ready to leave. You don't need to have to make a decision. The decision needs to already be made. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and that's, that's, and that's the thing that, and I think that's the important thing to kind of plan ahead when we're in these situations, we're not planning ahead. We're just <laughs> trying to, we're just trying to get to the next day or the next hour or the next minute or the next second. That's all right. That's all right. So how important was the counseling, the counseling sessions and now the mentor, the mentoring sessions, how important were those 
in in your process as a writer and also as as you started your healing process? Without them, I wouldn't be where I am because I didn't have a voice. I didn't I couldn't express myself either verbally or through writing. Um, I just had to continue to play a role. And without the counselor to tell me that the things that I saw was actually the things that I saw um, and I wasn't making stuff up, I would have still probably been in that situation or been somewhere in a worse off situation. Right. So it was through me going through those counseling sessions. Um, and I, I didn't just see one counselor. Um, I saw multiple counselors at different times um, because in my situation, we did uh, group counseling as well. So I, I needed to know that it wasn't just me and that I can actually start to trust the feelings that I had, the thoughts that I had and try to get some discernment. Because like you said before, when you're in that situation, you can't figure things out because we devalue, others devalue us. We begin to devalue ourselves, and you cannot go along with the decision made by someone you don't value. Exactly. If I don't value you, I can't listen to you. So if I don't value myself, I can't listen to me. And it, and it, the counseling sessions helped me a lot because it helped me to understand, okay, I'm not crazy. I'm going through this and I'm going to be better. And God's going to help me to be better. Um, uh, the mentoring sessions helped me to keep uh, clarity because I did have the counseling, you know, the background with the counseling to jumpstart it, but to just to have someone to listen and tell you, okay, um, you might be going down the wrong path or you might be thinking about things a little differently. Why don't you look at it from this perspective? That helped because I could have, when coming out of this kind of a situation, and this is what I found, um, it's easily it's easy to go in a totally different direction, do a 180. So you become from an abusive neglect situation and then you can become someone who has those feelings toward other people so I had to I actually went through when I first um, left that situation I had the mindset of somebody is used me somebody mistreated me so why why do I have to be the nice person why do I have to be the one that keeps being mistreated why can't I have the same kind of mindset? Now, I wasn't going to abuse somebody, but I just didn't value them. I mean, they were who they were to me for that moment. And it didn't bother me if they didn't like me or they didn't care for me the next moment. As long as I got, um, if I needed to talk and I had somebody to talk to, I talked to them. And then once I got through talking to them, I didn't care if they didn't like what I said or not. So I wow. went from caring for caring about what others thought of me to not caring about what they thought of me at all. And that was, that could have been detrimental had I kept going down that path because I can see how that would have led me to, to be 
possibly an abuser to someone else. Ah, I see. I and see it was that. my mentor that helped me to see that. I see that. I see. Cause it's cause some cause I think cause I think sometimes I think sometimes as we go through that healing process, you know, we don't we don't necessarily see things as we should. But then some but I think it comes to that point to where somebody drops a moment of clarity upon us. Mm-hmm. And they're like, and then and then kind of like and when they drop that moment of clarity upon us, and then we when we we're forced to look at this situation or who we are or how we are, how we are for what for for truly what it is. Mm-hmm. And I guess when 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 we look at things like that, it's it's ugly. Mm-hmm. It is. It's not pretty. It is. And I thought I saw myself becoming an ugly person because I had so much of a of a shield around me, and I was ah. I was trying to protect me, and in me protecting me, I didn't care if somebody else got hurt while I was being protected, as long as. I was okay and I protected me. I didn't care about their feelings. But oh, if I had I care had I continued down that road, then that kind of action could have caused me to hurt somebody. Of course. And I didn't I didn't I didn't want to be that person. I didn't want to be the kind of person that I was running from. And like you said, it takes a moment of clarity for somebody else to say, "Hold on. Take a look at what you're what you're becoming." Take a look yeah. at what you are, what you're doing to yourself, what you're doing to the people who support you, who care about about you. Wow. Yeah. And it's those moments of clarity that reveal those those hard truths about ourselves and those hard truths about the about the the things situations that we are in. Mm-hmm. And those hard truths come with a a I won't say a plethora, but it come, but it does come with a heavy dose of emotional upheaval. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure your emotional upheaval process was, I'm pretty sure it would be just as intense or even more or even more intense than anyone else that would may have went, went through that situation because, and I, and every, and again, everyone reacts differently to being, being put I won't I won't even say being put in a place but being shown something mm-hmm. that they that for a long time they were they had blinders on and they couldn't see that mm-hmm. now okay now the blinders are off now you can see to the left and to the right mm-hmm. instead of just forward instead of just looking forward now you see things for what it truly is and then now you see this this battlefield that you've been fighting on and it's and it's ugly as hell mm-hmm and then you're like, well, and then I think I know for me, I know for me, my next question was be like, well, how the hell did I get here? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or why the hell did I get here? Exactly. There was a time when I had got out of the situation. I was like, was it better for me to stay where I was? Where Where am I? What is this place like? You know, um, it was unknown. Because like you said, when they take the blinders off, you see all this stuff you haven't been seeing and it's confusing. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. I left this situation. Is this what I left it for? Because you are starting over. 
you are having to get used to things that you haven't been used to before. You are having to see something, to see things as what they are and not what someone is telling you that they are. And to have that, it's kind of like when you wake up in the morning and someone has shown a bright light in your eyes, it it stings, it hurts, it's Mm -hmm. painful, but you get accustomed to it and you have to grow with it. And that's what I had to learn to do because I was afraid. I was totally afraid, but I had to think about it. It's it's painful either way. Which pain am I willing to deal with? Am I willing to deal with the pain of staying where I am, knowing I'm not going to get any better, I'm not going to progress? Or do I want the pain of working to try to get through this situation, through this new avenue, and possibly come out ahead, possibly come out in a much better situation? So you're going to have pain either way. You got to choose which pain you want to deal with. Yeah. Like that, like walk, like coming. I always tell people that, and this is the one thing that I always say. You know, a path forward comes from a cross. You know, middle of middle of a road, and you're gonna have to decide which path to take. You can get you. You can choose to take a left path, or you can choose to take the right path. But sometimes the path to where you need to be isn't always so defined. That's right. It's the yeah. road is less traveled. Oh yes. Oh yes. Because. I, and I and I had to learn. I learned that, so I I had to learn that. Like, okay, the path to being who I am is the road less traveled, and I have no. And, and when you travel that road, you have no idea where this road is going to lead to. You have no idea of. You don't have a GPS system, so you can't see all the twists and turns and the stop signs and the mm-hmm. traffic lights and then the the the, the, the how the traffic flows. Mm-hmm. But you have to. But that's the road you travel on. That's the road you have to travel on. Exactly. You know, I, and I truly believe that that the roads to healing and redemption are road are roads that are less traveled. Mm-hmm. Because most people be like, "Well, why you why wouldn't you choose the left or the right path?" Because those are the two easy paths. Mm-hmm. Those are paths that other people have traveled, mm-hmm. and I can I can use those. I can you we can use those paths as a guide, but we can't travel. We can't travel where one person's already traveled. Yeah, I can't. I, I can't walk a road. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And the reason I say you can't travel those roads is because those roads are someone else's experience. That's right. That's absolutely correct. I can learn the lessons from that experience and I, I, I can apply it to the road that I have here. Maybe maybe if I take those experiences from that person, from that road that was traveled, maybe now now maybe now the streetlights will come on and I can see where I'm going. You know, or maybe the stop sign, the stop signs won't malfunction and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Or maybe it won't be so much traffic. Now I'm able to just kind of see, now you're able to see where you can go. And And I I find it amazing that, you know, you found, you found that clarity and you found that fortitude and that strength to continue to press forward. Because I know, I know it was a hard deal to even to get to the point to where you get to that point. Because some of us, some of us stand at that crossroad and we don't and we don't move. We just stay there. We just be like, I don't know where to go. Or I'm not gonna go anywhere. This is a safe, this is a safe space for me. Safe space. That's right. Cause like I said, I've tried to keep my book safe at the beginning, but being safe is not going to win and help you be a winner in the long run. Exactly. Being safe, you don't move, you don't go anywhere, stagnant. Exactly. 
and speaking on the point of safety, how important is it to have a safe space when it comes to coming out of these situations and trying to move forward? And as far as, you know, trying to find, trying to find yourself and redefining yourself, how important is having us having um, a safe space or safe spaces? It is very important. There's nothing like trying to start something new and you're in a fearful situation and you have nothing to provide any layer of protection for you. Um, In my situation, my family became my safe space. I always thought that I couldn't go back there because of the strange situations, the strange relationships. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I don't want to have to put any stress on them that they don't need to have to handle. But they saw what I was going through while I was going through it. I thought I was concealing it, but I wasn't. And when I got to the point where I was ready to move and go forward, they were there waiting for me because they were they had already planned to be my safe space. And that's one of the things I was going to say when we talked about the road, let's travel. A lot of times we think, well, like you said, Nobody can walk that road with us. We have to walk that road by ourselves. But yet we're not alone on that road just because they're not walking with us. It's kind of like a marathon. When you're running a marathon, there are people set up at different stations along the way to provide you what you need, some Gatorade or something to help you out. And that's what your family and supporters do for you. When you travel in that road, they're going to be there at different spots. They just can't walk the entire road with you. Exactly. And yeah. and they'll tell they'll tell you, look, I can I can't do this for you. You gotta do it for yourself. That's right. That's right. You know, I can I can say I can say what I have to say to defend you, but you gotta at some point you're gonna have to be able to defend yourself. That's right. That's right. It's I find it I find it so I find it amazing that I'm like I said, amazing to you know, to to know that, you know a lot of people share the same thought process because a lot of people there, well, you know, you share the same thought process. I'm pretty sure there are other people, there are other, there are other like-minded people like us that share the same thought processes when, as when it comes to something like this, mm-hmm. because let me tell y'all, ladies and gentlemen, this, that's not an easy road to travel down. It's not. You know, abuse is something that is, whether it's domestic abuse, whether any type of abuse is, is devastating regardless is devastating to the person that's in that experience is much more devastating to the person that experiences it because they are now, not only are they physically scarred, they are emotionally and psychologically scarred. And abuse happens on so many levels, like you said. And one of the things that I had to realize through my counseling, even though you might not be violently abused, you may not be physically abused, Abuse is abuse. Abuse comes in the form of mental, emotional, financial. Um, I can remember times when I had $150 to live off of for a month. And that's food, gas, getting to work, $150. That's what I had because that's what I could save out for myself. That's financial abuse. 
And people that go through that and they say, oh, well, it's just mismanagement of money. It wasn't, I wasn't mismanaging my money. If I was doing it, it would be mismanagement of money. But if someone else is doing it, that's financial abuse. That's trying to keep you in a situation where you can't better yourself. Yep. And I had to, I had to realize that through going to counseling. And it's, and I find, I find it just, I find it abhorrent that people do that. People do that, you know? And again, I, I can, I can, I speak from my own experience from a, from a, from a dual perspective. I mean, and and I don't, and I'm not going to talk about my experience too tough. I mean, there, when I think I will do, I think I will do an episode of do, do an episode like that to talk about my own personal experience with that, but not here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had one guest and one, one of someone said, uh, I think this for LaShondra Parker Doris. She said, Melanie, you are a true inspiration. Thank I you. agree. Thank you. Thank you. I agree because, and I, you know, the one thing, and the one thing I will say, and, I was, and, I'm, and again, I'm going to say this publicly. I'm going to say this out loud because it's something that I always had, had always thought about prior to, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say this now. Out loud. You know, anyone that goes through, any type of situation, whether it's an abusive situation, whether it's a mental health situation or any other type of situation. You got you guys are in our inspiration to me. Your story is inspiration to me. Simple fact, the simple fact of the matter is, is that because you faced an impossible odd mm-hmm. or impossible odds, should I say. And. You walk. You walked out. You walked out of the other side. You walked out to the other side, a little battered, a little bruised, mm-hmm. maybe a couple, maybe a couple of broken bones. But you walked. But you walked. But you walked out on your own two feet. Mm-hmm. There ain't. There's not. There's. There's not a lot. Of, there's not a lot of people that go through those situations that don't have the opportunity or the chance to do that. You know they're. There are not too many. There are not people there. I want, and there, there are not people that can that that can say that can that that can say that to walk into a fire and not come out and not come out being burned and not smelling like smoke. Mm-hmm. You know, to walk to wade into wade into the battlefield and you know come not and not come out not come out completely destroyed or anything like that. Maybe battered, like I said, battered, broke, made battered, couple of broken bones, bruises. Mm-hmm. Some cuts and abrasions, but you walk, but you walk, but you walked out of that on your own two feet. Mm-hmm. But you also walked out of that on you. You also walked away from that situation on your own terms. Mm-hmm. Very difficult. Wow. Very difficult to say. Very difficult for a lot of people to say that because, again, I I personally I personally know I personally have known people who have who weren't able to walk away. Yes, I have family members that weren't able to walk away. And that's one of the things that weighed very heavily on my mind in that 18 years. And um, my thought was, would I be the next person in my family to end up like that? Will I become a statistic if I don't be safe and be smart about what I need to do, what my next steps need to be. So, yes, it's a lot of people. And we may not know someone personally, but we may be connected to someone who knows someone who couldn't get out of that situation 
and come out better. Indeed. So, but one of the things that we have to start doing is the, and the reason why I wrote the book is to um, begin to have these conversations. Nobody had this conversation with me. Nobody was talking about it because it was taboo. You didn't talk about how you were treated. You didn't talk about how you felt in front of people. You didn't even talk about it with your close friends and family because you're afraid of who's going to talk, who's going to say this, or who's going to think this bad way about you. But I wanted to break the cycle. If me opening up and talking to people can help someone realize, hey, I'm in a situation similar to that. I don't want to go down that path. Let me change. Let me do some things differently now while I can so I won't get into a situation that I can't. If my words can help someone to make that situation better, then let me let me share. Let me open up. Let me be that open book to help somebody else not have to go through the same steps that I went through. Exactly. And some and some, and I think the one thing I found the one thing I found out about, especially when you open yourself up, when you when you true when you truly opened up the Pandora's box of your soul. Mm-hmm. So I'm and and I can I guess I can say this personally. It may it may not apply to you, but I, I can say it personally. Mm-hmm. When you per when you open up the Pandora's box of your soul, sometimes it comes at a great personal cost. Mm-hmm. It does. And a lot of people think that you know the cost is like you know minor. No, it's it's a big cost because now you you've opened yourself up to people. Mm-hmm. You've opened your whole you you you've let. Whatever cat you was, whatever cat you was holding out the bag, and you let everybody see see you in this different light, and it does come at a personal cost. Sometimes, some that cost is persecution, or you know somebody will start somebody will look down upon you, or, or they'll try to argue the point and say, "No, man, that didn't really happen." Oh uh, yeah? yeah, that's a lie. I lived it. Yeah. And that's what that's one of the things that I was trying to prepare myself for. I was like, well, everybody thought that I was in the perfect situation. And um, because the mask that I had on every day was the happy face. Everybody thought because I was always smiling and I was always trying to encourage someone else. They just thought that my situation had to be the best that it can be. And that's one of the things I address in the book is that just because you see a smile, you don't know what's behind it. Exactly. Exactly. So many people, uh, they see that smile and they be like, well, she's happy. Well, he or she is happy. They're content. You have no idea what they're feeling. You have no idea what's going on in their mind. You have no idea what's going on in their heart and what's in their soul. That's you know, right. they may be smiling, saying, may, they may be projecting a smile where it appears to be happy with happy for you. But little do you know that that might that's that's a, that that is a nervous smile. That is a smile of panic. That's a smile mm-hmm. of let me let me just do this to hide what I actually feel because right now I feel like crying, but I can't. Oh, wow, to hear you describe that, um, it's amazing because I was just maybe like a month ago going through some old photographs because at first I could not take pictures of myself. I did not want to see myself. I did not want to see my own reflection in the mirror. Um, And 
I compared some pictures I took when I was trying to come out of that situation to some pictures I took now. My smile was totally different. And I could see, uh, people see me now, they say, you were glowing. And I was like, glowing? And I didn't understand what they were seeing until I compared those pictures. Like you said, those smiles were full of um, pain, heartache, uh, deception, trying to cover up what you were going through so people wouldn't know what you were going through. And... Now, when I smile, it's genuine. It's from within and it radiates. When you are happy and content within yourself, it radiates. It's just like the sun shining. It radiates and people can outwardly see it. And that's what they're describing when they say that you're glowing. They're seeing your soul, your spirit radiating from within. Right. They, they see, they see, they, they see what's on your countenance and they're like, Oh, she she is that smile is that smile isn't isn't indicating anything else. She is truly happy. Exactly. She's true. She's truly she's truly free. Yes. And, and, and again, you know, it, it's again, you know, people just don't understand, you know, what that what that is, you know, because mm-hmm. again, I can, you know, you can smile and be like, and they they and they'll interpret that as being happy or content, mm-hmm. where. The whole time, you're just trying to keep a smile on your face to keep yourself from crying. Yes. Or you you keeping a smile on yourself to, from you having a panic attack or just feeling like you're feeling like the whole world's against you. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, once when you, and that's one of that that's one of the costs of when you reveal when you when you reveal your own truth. You mm-hmm. know, people will people will take people will be like people will take sides against you, and. You can't, you know, you can't allow that to, to bur, to you know, to bur, to bury you or to stop you from what, stop you from your purpose. I mean, you know, we're all, we're all here for, for mm-hmm. a purpose, mm-hmm. you know. But people, but again, you know, human beings are, and again, I'm, I'm going to say this out loud. And for me, this is a personal opinion, and a lot of people can agree or not agree. Mm-hmm. I'm cool with that. Human beings, and when I mean human beings, I mean male and female, mm-hmm. boy and girl, regardless of your religion, religious affiliation, your race, anything of that nature. Human beings can be can be can be the can be the most wonder can be the most wonderful people on the earth, mm-hmm. or they can be or they can be the most despicable and mean people on the earth. Mm-hmm. Reason I say that is because so many people. So many people that are in those situations hide what they what they feel, hide what they hide what they're thinking about, hide what hide their hide hide the scars and the bruises of what they go through, you know what they what they endure because they don't want they don't want they don't want to be stigmatized they don't mm-hmm. want to be ostracized, mm-hmm. and, and this this weighs heavily on their minds because. You're already going through this situation where you're being abused and neglectful and you're trying to come out and help yourself to get to a better place. And people still um, ostracizing you. They're still criticizing you. And it's like, okay, 
I'm trying to do better. And a lot of times, in, well, in my situation, I was afraid, and it did happen a couple of times, but I was afraid that people were going to say, well, you were in, a, in the best situation you could have been in then. Why'd you get out? Why'd you leave? But the thing about it is you don't know what somebody is going through. You only see the outside. And if they're, um, if they're a great uh, pretender, yeah. <laughs> um, then the outside looks pretty doggone good. But when you open up the inside and cut into it and you see that it's rotten and it's a stench, you don't want to stay in that type of a situation. It's time to yeah. get out. So we got to be, stop being critical of each other and start listening and trying to help each other because who knows how many people have went to their friend or their family member to try right. to describe what they're going through. And before they can even get it out, they say something to deter them. Girl, I, th that's crazy. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't. Uh -uh, you crazy. Now, that's one of the most detrimental things you can say to a person coming out of this because they already think that. Yep. And you're validating the fact that they're crazy. So now they're like, okay, did I, I don't have a choice. I got to stay here. No, you don't. You don't have to stay there. Always a choice. It's always a choice. I can remember days that I didn't want to look at myself in the mirror. And um, I didn't like the image that was looking back at me. And the person that I was with was critical of me as well. But I would put on my best face when I got ready to go somewhere um, to represent them well. And I would hear things like, oh, that's your wife. Oh, she has a pretty face. I'm more Man. than just a pretty face. What are exactly. you saying about the rest of me? More, I'm just, a whole, arm, more just arm candy. <laughs> yeah, I'm a whole human being. What about me, the person? And I became, in my mind, just the pretty face. And I hated, I hated looking at my face. I hated looking at me. And that's part of why I got, uh, I wrote my reflection journal. Because on the cover of my reflection journal, this is what I saw. A broken face. Right. Broken in pieces. And... I entitled it Broken Mirrors Still Reflect because even though I didn't see myself as the pretty woman or the complete woman, my reflection was only reflecting what was in front of me. Mm. And I had to I had to realize that. And I, I wrote a poem with that because I want other people to understand. No matter what you've gone through, your life is going to reflect what's in front of it. Of course. So you got to put your best foot forward. You got to keep striving. You got to keep going. You can't give up. And just because it might be broken doesn't mean that you're a broken person. That's just the reflection. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, man, you, you hit the nail on the head with that one. And <laughs> that, that's a, that, that so much resonates with me. As a, as a, you know, as it pertains to my own personal journey, you know, because when 
when you go through these things and you and you come and you come and you try to come out of you come out the other side of it, you look at yourself as a broken person. Yes. But it's only it's only it's only it's only a temporary that's only a temporary condition. Mm-hmm. A lot of people look at brokenness as a permanent condition. No, that's a temporary condition. No. And you can choose whether you want to be whether you want to stay in that stay in that or not. Just like just like Miss just like my beautiful guest over to my right said, you you have a choice to do that. Mm-hmm. There is a choice. There's a choice you can make to right out to rise up out of that and not look at not look at yourself as being broken. And if you do, that's that's okay. It's okay to it's okay to look at yourself as that as that. But how long are you? How long is it going to take for you to pick up those pieces? Yeah, and try to put that put that broken mirror back together so you can actually see who you really are. And uh, in this journal, I um, it's it's a it's an actual journal where you can journalize based upon. I give a prompt, and I actually there's a poem to go with each prompt, and then there's my experiences, and then it's a I left a lot of pages because sometimes we write stuff and then somewhere down the line we'll go back and revisit it and we'll want to write some more so I, I left pages there so you don't have to just you don't just have a certain amount of space to write you you can keep writing in a year later or two years later so um but one of the things i wanted to share was the the poem behind the book and it's called broken mirrors still reflect go sure go ahead Shattered images, sharp edges, fragmented pieces of disconnect. Although it seems worthless and useless, wasteful rubbish, we yet find that broken mirrors still reflect. I may not focus on the entire picture and therefore not getting the full effect. But what I can see are images of me reminding me that broken mirrors still reflect. Focusing on one piece over another, each detail trying to inspect, will only leave me wondering, my own self-image I'm blundering, to see just what broken mirrors will reflect. Reflection is a reactive feat, only responding to the image of subject. So what if I dislike or don't think I look like the image the broken mirror reflects. Because the reflection is broken, it doesn't mean I'm a wreck. Different angles it shows of a woman who grows from ashes no one would disclose and pain she never chose to finally expose what she supposes that everyone should know. That no matter what, you should glow, knowing that broken mirrors still reflect. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, Thank indeed. you. Yes, indeed. I love. I love those two pieces, man. <laughs> it, it's but the funny part, the thing of it is, it speaks so clearly to who to like number one to who you are, but also it it speaks also outwardly to a lot of people mm-hmm. because regardless of a mirror being broken it's still going to show a reflection that's right it's going to show a jagged reflection but it's going to show a reflection yes and a lot of people 
don't want to look in the broken mirror because they because they because they're not gonna they're not they don't want to see the jagged reflection they don't want to see the cracks and the and the creases because they think when they see those cracks and those creases they see themselves but i say this when you look in a broken mirror you are actually seeing yourself who you are who you really are mm-hmm. an unbroken mirror shows who you are at that time a broken mirror shows who you are who you've always been mm-hmm. but it all but i think the other thing that a broken mirror can also show it also can show you who you can who you can be mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't see that they don't look at the the other side of the other side of that it shows and it shows different angles because you might when it's broken people think and, and, and this is my opinion. Um, people think that the mirror is the best way to see what you look like. But I, te- I, I tell people all the time, because pe- we wonder, why is it that I can see things in other people that I can't see in myself? Right. It's because when we see people, when we see other people, we're looking through glass. We're looking through a window. Right. And what we see is the actual image through a glass window. But when we look in a mirror, we're looking at a distorted image because the way the mirror is made is every mirror has a distortion. Right. And when you look at yourself, you're still seeing a distorted image. But someone else is seeing you more clearly than you're seeing yourself because they're seeing the actual image. The only way that we can see ourselves is either through a mirror or a picture. And a lot of times we see ourselves in the mirror, but we don't like the pictures. The mirror is a distortion. The picture is the actual image with less distortion. So we have to realize that even though that mirror is broken, it's only reflecting what's in front of it. But even a broke, unbroken mirror is distorted. Exactly. Exactly. And people, oh man, people just do not see that. And they're like, well, that's what, that's what it's supposed to be. No, 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 no. That's what it's supposed to be. It's there for a reason. It's showing you you know, like you said, those angles, mm-hmm. those angles can represent, can represent your anger. It, it can represent your fear. It can represent your distress. It can represent your, your sadness or your happiness. Those angles represent, to me, those angles represent the emotions that you feel mm-hmm. when you, that you're feeling when you, or that you have felt when you look mm-hmm. into a mirror, look into that broken mirror. Mm-hmm. It's, and I don't think people, I don't think a lot of, I don't think a lot of us look at that or look at it with that concept in mind mm-hmm. it's a it's an amazing concept y'all i mean if just if you happen to if, if you happen to, i mean this is not to me saying to break a mirror and do this but if you happen to have a mirror you know look a little deeper into that mirror because mm-hmm. there are things that that mirror that there, there are things that you can that you don't see the mirror only shows the superficial mm-hmm But when, but if you but if you happen to break that mirror and you look into the same mirror, you're gonna see more. You're gonna see the you're gonna see more, more things. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I the one thing that I've always been taught and that I think we've all been taught is that the eyes are the gateway to the soul. Mm-hmm. 
and I believe and I believe that is true. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we do need to take a hard look in either a unbroken or a broken mirror to see, first of all, who we are, where we are, and where we want to be and where we want to go. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, this journey of ours is, we're good, this journey, you know, Miss Johnson's journey through an abusive situation isn't, again, it's not the easiest road, it's not the easiest journey for anyone to take. And it's ever, and it's ever, and it's an ever evolving journey. Don't get it twisted. Mm-hmm. Just because you leave the situation doesn't mean that you that doesn't mean that doesn't mean anything because you still have to grow and you still have to evolve. That's right. That's exactly right. And um, when you hit, t- we were talking about the mirror situation, and I can remember not wanting to see myself, but in order to start the healing, I had to start looking at myself. And like you said, the eyes were the mirrors to the soul, to the, were the windows to the soul. I actually started with my eyes and I started uh-huh. looking at my eyes to see the pain, the struggle, the heartache, the joy, all of that that was in them. But at different times, I had to see what would bring pure joy to my face. What wow. would bring fear, hurt? I had to notice all those things. So I had to do, like you said, a deep self assessment of, of me to see what it is that, because I didn't, I lost myself. I didn't know what I liked. I didn't know what I disliked. I had to learn all those. So I had to see what my emotions were as I experienced things to see, okay, is this good for me? Is this not good for me? So even though we may not like the reflection that's in front of us. Uh-huh. It is very important that we start to look at that and, like you said, examine it, get to know ourselves, start to love ourselves, start to move past what people are telling you about you and start learning about yourself. That's what I had to do. Yeah. And the funny part about that is, is that a lot of people be like, well, I don't, well, it's it's cool and it's not cool if you if you're able to see stuff. And especially stuff that you that you know that you know for if you know for damn well you don't like, mm-hmm. or you see things that you know for 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 a fact that has happened to you and you and you hadn't said anything about it, or you hadn't spoken about it, mm-hmm. or you haven't acted upon it. So, it's a it's a it's a it's a very good concept I think that a lot of people could could benefit from. You know, it's especially that particular piece that you were broken mirrors still reflect that if. That could be the the whole. That could be the one thing that people. A lot of people could just be like, "Let me just read this, and then you can understand who you. You can understand mm-hmm. who you who you possibly who you possibly are." Yes, because we have to. Each of us have to reflect. You can't improve something if you don't know where the issues are. Exactly. I'm a, I'm a math teacher by trade, um, and that's a, a lot of times I'll tell my students. Um, show me your work and they want to tell me about it no show me your work i can't see where you're making your error unless i see your work i can't call a mechanic and tell them about my car and he fix it over the phone he needs to see my car exactly you need to look at yourself and figure out okay let me see what issues i have what what things i need to focus on what areas do i need help with 
yeah. and get that help. And, oh yeah, indeed. Yeah. So, kind of just to kind of who it, bro. Now, before we even jump into any other any other subject, because I know we we talk we this is a this is a very I, I love this conversation right now. Yeah. I really do. So, who is it? Who is this book for? And I I struggle with this because at first I was like, well, it's for young women that are going through situations. But um, as I read it and as I um, passed it along, I found that my target group is anybody struggling, male or female, struggling with trying to find um, trying to find where they are in life where they need to be. They may be going through abusive situations. Um, I deal with mental health issues because I I was diagnosed as a severe manic depressive throughout uh. this time. And I had to deal with that. And I chose to deal with it without medication, but it took a strong dependence upon God in order to be able to do that. So I, it's not just a book about, I had a friend ask me, is this a male bashing book? No, it's not. It's a book of healing. And anybody who is looking to try to find ways to reconnect with themselves, to learn about themselves, to heal themselves, to get in a better situation. I've, I think that this book is, um, is very helpful to help get you on that track, start you on that track. Now, is it a, step-by-step -step process of you need to do this, this, and this. No, it's not. But it's going to show you how I got through the struggle and to be able to give you ideas that you that may be helpful to you. It's going to give you ways to think about things in a different mindset to right. be able to change your pathway that you're going. So I've had, I didn't think that I would have men to connect with my book and and to message me but i've had men connect with it and pass it along and and i even had one person um had put a review on on amazon talking about how it helped him to understand his wife and daughter better so wow. even though i originally wrote this book to help women who were struggling and in not just domestic uh, abuse situations, but any type of situation where they were dealing with um, uncertainty about themselves, being it mental health issues, abuse or neglect. Um, I found that it has helped more than just the, the women that I targeted to. So mm -hmm. I've even had um, younger, uh, younger audience reach out to me and say, wow, I'm having feelings like this. And this is teenagers that's wow. reading it. And they are experiencing things now that I experienced as a young adult. And but it's because of the change in time. So I can't even say that it, it won't help teenagers or young um, women who I at my age, I wasn't even thinking about situations like this. But it happens. It happens. And until we start talking about it and discussing it, when we're going to have a generation of young ladies that's going to think that this is OK, that this yeah. is normal. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And the funny part about that is, is it's like it's already it's already happening. Mm -hmm. That being talked down to 
or talking down to your mate is is supposed to be the ups and downs of a relationship. And that's not the come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. That's not it. It really isn't. Simple fact of the matter is that's not, you know, that's not how it is. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to show love and care and respect to your mate. Mm-hmm. Whether this is male or female. Mm-hmm. You know, you're and like I said, this is that's kind of sort of the way that it's been going. I mean, and I'm like, for real? This is this is what this is what we this is what it is. This is, this is a the result of what we've been. This is a result of us as me as a parent trying to show, trying to show my but trying to show my sons and my daughter the right, the right way to how to treat a human being. Mm-hmm. Dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And being in the public school environment, um, I get to see students of different types of backgrounds and you don't think that the 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 child living in the home with you um, picks up on things, but they pick on the pick up on the most minute things. And if they see that mama or daddy is okay with being treated in a certain way, then they begin to think that that's normal. And we got to yeah. stop normalizing abuse and normalizing just being mean to somebody. Because they take that and they bring it to their situation in their lives. And in some cases, uh, it leads to, you know, detrimental effects. Yeah. So we got to start opening up. We got to start communicating, not only just with uh, people our age or older. We got to reach down to the younger generation because they are experiencing things that we experience as older adults. They're experiencing yeah. it now. And yeah. if we can remain silent on the issues and don't talk to them about them and just sweep them under the rug, they're not going to go away and they're going Man. to get worse. Yeah, you're right. You are. Oh, you are so right. You're so right. And I think for that to be much of a more wide swath of people, mm-hmm. not just young, not just young adults, but also teenagers, but also you know, older adults such as ourselves mm-hmm. and things of that nature. And it, it, it'll be, and believe you me, it'll, it'll, it'll reach the people that it needs to reach and it, and it won't matter who it reaches. That's right. Whether it's a, whether it's a teenager or a young adult or anything, mm-hmm. or, or even an older adult, so such as ourselves. So it's going to reach who it's going to reach. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just to kind of just, you know, I don't know. For me, as a parent, just to, to see to try to show my show my sons and daughter the right way, or at least at least part at least part way teach them mm-hmm. decent 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 stuff. Mm-hmm. Even when even with my with my step with even when I when I you know with my stepson and my stepdaughters stepdaughter you know and to show them how to treat a person. Mm-hmm. And then to walk back and see, and I won't even we'll say walk, but but then they'll come back and watch either them or another or the person that they're with just go through these motions. Mm-hmm. You know, my my heart literally hurts for that. Hurts hurts for them mm-hmm. because for them, this is their this is their new norm. This is their new. This is their normal. Yeah. I, this is this is what I, this is how this is what love's supposed to be. Oh, it is. 
let me come here, come here, young lady. Come here, young man. Let me let me show let me show you what let me show you what real love is supposed to be. Let me show you what real respect for another human being is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Let me show you how let me show you how a hu a real human being treats another human being. Yes. Yes. So let me let me pull you up onto my shoulder. Let me let me sit out here. I'm gonna I'm gonna learn I'm gonna learn you something, young man, young young lady. And that's what it takes. A lot of times, way back in the day, before my generation, um, you had older people that would bring the younger people under their wings and teach them things, kind of like an apprenticeship. But now, with the newer generation, it's like every man for himself. And we expect these young people to deal with these adult issues in an adult way, but they don't have the experiences that we've had. And it takes a village to raise a child. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. Yes, indeedy, Stevie. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeedy. But even to talk about that, you know, just to kind of briefly, the, the village is gone. It is. Well, it's it's there, but it ain't as it ain't as prevalent. Yeah, it's not as prevalent, and it's not as as strong. You still got villagers there, and they're working to try to to do the things to help right raise the upcoming. But you got so many others that's in the village that's just sitting back and like, okay, I'm not saying anything to that child. It's not my child, and a lot of times it's not because. They don't want to, but it could it could be the fact that they've tried to on other occasions. But a lot of a lot of parents don't want you saying anything to their children, and nope. it's gotten to that point. But you got to be the one that's going to at least try, and even if you don't say something, show them by your actions, by your life, be the yes. living testimony that they need to see. Yes, I, I try to I'm, be an example. Man. I try to live my life as an example so that they can pattern their lives after me. And it is such a wonderful experience to have a young person to feel, have enough respect for you to come to you to ask your opinion or to ask for your help. And you not have to force it on them. That means that they've seen something in you that they want to pattern themselves after. Yes, the indeed. And that's the ultimate honor man and i i think i think that's that's the ultimate gift really yes you know you could that's you 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 do you do right by people when you they see they see your life Mm -hmm. they see how you live they see how you they see how you persevere they see how you how you how you overcome and how you succeed Mm -hmm. people see people see that Mm -hmm. and they and they take that with them, mm-hmm. and then they'll go back and tell they'll go back and tell somebody, "Hey, I seen I seen Melanie overcome this by doing this." So also maybe if it maybe if it worked for her, it might work for me. Mm-hmm. So and I, I I truly believe that part of it because you know people people will follow you when they see when they see when they see how you live your own life mm-hmm. when they see how you. How you persevere, how you overcome, how you, how you stand, how you stand tall despite what, despite the odds that are arrayed against you. Mm-hmm. I love, exactly. that. I love that. I love and that. And 
Um, it's it's such a wonderful um, situation to be in to have other people to come together to try to form that village with you. When uh, Shana um, Gordine wrote the book, The Mask Behind the Mask, she had no idea that it was going to have the impact that it's having now. And to see her in her journey and then uh, Elva Lakia Barnett develop a monologue behind it and then have these eight amazing, beautiful women to to portray these issues, these different issues that women have. Um, We deal with on a day-to-day basis. And it's not like each person is dealing with only one. Some of us that are living this life out here today, we take on multiple of these issues on a daily basis. And to see it being brought to life and how it can transform your mindset is absolutely amazing. I'm part of this. Um, you know, it's amazing to be part of this this monologue. It's called the um, the mass behind the mass, the virtual monologue. And these eight amazing women, we get together, and each one is dealing with this with their own issue, but each one shows how that in those moments of adversity. You can rise above. You can be better. And when you get to that point, it is such an amazing feeling that you just want to celebrate. And and I, I, we've had practice tonight, and I can tell you that it is so remarkable that in each of the practices, I, I mean, I'm crying. It's emotions involved. It's pain. You see the pain. You feel the pain. And then you are able to celebrate the joys afterwards. And it is such an amazing uh, event that I hope everyone is able to virtually attend. Oh, man. So so we were just now to see you you jump jump right to what I was going (laughs) to We were going to talk about anyway. So you you jump right. So you jump right into that. So, I mean, even with now that you mentioned that, you know. I'm, you know, I'm, I am gonna, I'm gonna give you this chance right now because you, because you did mention it, and we, and we're, and I want, and I want you to, mention, I want you to let everybody know about it. So, let everybody know a little bit. I mean, because you've already said, you know, these eight amazing women talking, to, you know, with Machina and everyone else. Let everybody, let everybody know, you know, how they can, how they can, how they can be a part of this event. Okay, on October the thirtieth, twenty twenty one. That's this year. Uh, 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we will uh, have this virtual monologue of Shana's book, The Mask Behind the Mask. And we all wear these masks. And it is so it is so refreshing to remove that mask and see what you actually have on underneath. And, And if you want to join in with us with this amazing experience all you have to do is to reach out to Shana through her um email and that's uh s gordine that's s-g-o-u-r-d-i-n-e the number 16 at gmail.com and uh to purchase your tickets the tickets are ten dollars 
but I promise you that is the bit. You can go to McDonald's and get a burger meal, or you can join <laughs> this uh, event and and change mindsets and be able to see the struggles that we face on a day-to-day basis come to life and then be able to celebrate with joy the victories when we rise above those. So this is an amazing event that's going on October the 30th at five o'clock and it's Eastern Standard Time. So you can reach out to us. We do have a, a page on Facebook you can join. It's called The Mass Behind the Mass Virtual Monologue. You can look it up and it is absolutely amazing. We share behind the scenes of clips. We share inspirational uh, words that we think about on a day-to-day basis. It's, it's, it's um, like I'm almost like a movement just to get on that page and see what someone's thinking. And you never know, you might be going through something the day you open it up and like, oh, I needed that word. I needed that. So it is absolutely wonderful to be a part of this amazing event. Man, I'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm actually looking forward to that because I, I just I just I really want I really want to just, you know, for me, it's it's not it's not even going to be about you know the performances or anything like that. It's about for me it's trying to just looking and just seeing how each one of you guys that each one of you ladies you know just transforms and just evolves just from this just from that just from that particular process. You know, even though it's a even though it's a virtual monologue, it's it's still I I, I just I believe it's going to be powerful and it's gonna it's gonna really just be important and just not only just entertaining but also very informative and important so i'm looking forward to that man i am and just to just to to give you just a a a hint and i get goosebumps when i think about this each uh woman who was chosen we all play a different character and amazingly the characters we were chosen to play uh actually relate to each one of our situations, our spirit, uh, the things that we've been going through. To give you a a clip of that, my book is entitled Womanly Wisdom. I was chosen for Miss Wisdom. The things that I'm having to portray in this monologue are the same things that I went through during my struggle. Mm -hmm. So when you see the performance, it's not just a performance. It's an outward showing of the inward feelings and emotions that we each of us had. And that we've risen above, so it's going to be an amazing night. It, I, man, it's going to be. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I so am looking forward to it. But I am going to give you this particular time just to give yourself a a shameless plug. I want you to I want you to let our viewing and our listening audience let let them know who you are, what you know, the name of the title of your book and your journal, and where they can find you. Okay. Uh, my name is Melanie Johnson, and you can find me on Facebook under my name, Melanie Johnson. On Instagram, I'm at EMJAE2017. That's MJ2017. I'm also on LinkedIn as Melanie Johnson. Um, the name of my book is called Womanly Wisdom What They Couldn't Tell Me. And it can be found on Amazon um, and uh, Google Books as well. And this is what the cover looks like. You'll, you'll know my book when you see that cover. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, it is, most people who have gotten it have told me they have been 
truly blessed. It is a five-star Amazon rating. So I'm grateful for those who have read it and went to Amazon and uh, left their reviews. My journal, it was a private journal and I did only uh, introduce it to people that I knew personally at first, but now it is also available on Amazon for purchase. And it is entitled Broken Mirrors Still Reflect. And it is a reflections journal that is based upon the same principles in my book, Womanly Wisdom. But it gives you a chance to actually write and journalize yourself based on those those same type of topics. Yes, indeed. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So the this is one question that I always ask any any of my any guests that comes on, especially to the author's alley or any independent artist or things of that nature. We all now we all know that life is a marathon. We we mm-hmm. all know this, mm-hmm. and every and each one of us is at a at a particular at a particular stage in that marathon. We are at the beginning, where we're just coming out of the, where we're just coming out of the gate, and we're just starting. We're trying to get our stride and trying to get our pace. Mm-hmm. We're at the middle. Where we have where we where we got our stride and we have our pace and we're and we're going at a at a at a consistent clip, or we're toward the end of that marathon to where the finish line we, we the finish line is in sight. We're just, and we're and we're kind of we're kind of just not necessarily coasting but maintaining mm-hmm. our pace to finish to finish strong. In this particular marathon, and I'm and when I say marathon, I mean this marathon that you're running. What not this includes your life, your books, your evolution as a pre evolution, as a person, as a woman, mm-hmm. and your whole and your whole entire outlook on your life from, from where you are, from where you were to where you are. What particular stage in this marathon that you're, what particular stage of your marathon are you running? Well, it's easy. And I'm at the beginning. Um, my life since I've um, gotten out of my situation uh, it's like I've started over. So I'm in a new marathon. The old marathon, I, I finished that. I finished it strong. And now I'm in a new marathon. And I'm just at the beginning. And I am looking forward to what 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 the next leg of this marathon is. Man, see, there there aren't there aren't too many people that, you know, that that I have that I have on that say they're at the beginning of a marathon. Most of them say they're like at the end. Not the end, but most of them say they're at the at the middle part where they're they they got their pace and they're and they're moving at it, moving at a consistent clip. Um, I've only had one person that say that they were at the end of their marathon, but the only reason they said that is because they accom- they felt like they accomplished everything that they need to accomplish in one space and were ready to move into another space. But it's a it's a rarity to see something. I won't even say a rarity for you to say that you're at the beginning of your new marathon. It speaks a whole lot of volumes to where you were to where you were. Mm-hmm. compared to where you are mm-hmm. but it also speaks to an immense tremendous amount of fortitude and courage and perseverance to that you had to go through to get to where you to get to where you are to get that to, to get to this beginning mm-hmm. this new beginning or this new start line mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. and now you're coming out and now you can you come out you're out the gate strong yes. and you're you're beginning you're beginning to get that pace you're beginning to pick up that pace and you're and you're and you're running and that to that to me is a is an excellent thing you know everybody said it's not about how you start it's all it's about how you finish that is true but sometimes it's just as important how you start too yes 
Yes. Because if you if you come if you come out the gate slow, you might you may fend you may fend you may if you come out the gate slow, you may have to struggle to catch up to everybody else. But in but in this particular case, you know this this marathon of life that that we're all running, we're not in we're not in competition with anybody else. Mm-mm. We're we're the only competition you should be in if you're running your own race is yourself. That's right. But man, I have thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed this particular conversation with you. Um, tonight I am extremely, extremely, extremely overjoyed to, you know, to have you here and I've truly enjoyed this conversation. I am, you know, kudos to you, man. I, I'm man, I can't say enough good things about, about you right now and good enough good things about this conversation that we had. It is, it has been very, it's been, for me, it's been not only enlightening but it's also been something that something that i can i can draw from mm-hmm. because you've inspired you've you've now you've you've inspired you've inspired me now to be a lot more vocal about a lot of things thank you thank you you inspire me to be more vocal about the things that i see wow. around in my around in my around in this world and not and and not you know because there's a lot of things that i've that i've seen and I haven't spoken about it. I haven't mm-hmm. said anything. I haven't said, I haven't spoken about it. Mm-hmm. I speak about my own story a lot, but mm-hmm. there are other things that I had that, that are, that I, that I see and I've experienced, I don't speak about. And there are things that I've seen that I haven't speak, spoken about. So you inspire me to just, to be, to be much more vocal about those things. Mm-hmm. So from, from the bottom of my heart, I thank you for being an inspiration. I thank you for being an inspiration. Thank you, thank you so much. So you know, and there there are more people out there that you that is that that are inspired as well. I I, I the one thing I the one thing I will tell you is that you know us here over at Trailblazers Radio will most definitely continue to support you in all your endeavors. Um, whatever whatever you whatever you got going on, you most definitely if you want to come back, you most definitely can come back, and we will mo and you are most welcome here. Thank you. So Thank you. and I tell. And, this is the first thing. This is the first time I've ever told somebody this here. The first time you're a guest. The second time, you ain't a guest. So make so you know. The second time you come, make yourself at home. You know, cop a seat, grab you know, grab, grab yourself, grab yourself something to drink. Turn on the TV if you want to. You're you're at you're at home now. So anytime you want to come back, and if you have some another book that you want to discuss, another book release that you want to discuss, or another project that you're involved in. Let, let us know, man. I mean, we're like I said, we we here, me, me, myself, and Quint, me, myself, I mean, me, Quint, and Coco, um, the three people that are on this platform, we support. And when I say we support, we support, you know, whether that's monetarily, whether we, whether we, whether we're liking or sharing a page, or whether we're, whether we're, you know, being, you know, asked to be a participant in a, in a, in a summit or a discussion, or just to, just to cut, just to purchase a ticket and say, "Hey, you know, I have this ticket to this amazing event. I want, I want, I want, I want, I want to bless your life with this ticket. So why don't you take it?" Awesome. So, Melanie, Melanie Johnson, thank you so, Miss Melanie, thank you so much for being a guest here on our on our platform. And I am so happy to know you and to know you not only as not only as not only as a sister of the a sister of the pen, but also a sister for, a sister for real. Yes. Yes. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I want to I want to I want to introduce to all to everybody 
Miss Melanie Johnson. Um, she is a she is a wonderful person who has an amazing story with a powerful book, man. So you guys, please go grab that on Amazon. Grab, grab that book and the journal on Amazon. It's a it's a five star rated it's a five star rated book, and I guarantee it'll it'll be it'll it's something that's going to be powerful and it's going to change it's going to change your life. And even if and even if you don't buy it for yourself, get it for somebody. Get it for somebody else that you may know that may be going through a situation like this. It could, it could it could be very well be the key to helping them change their life. Yes. Thank you so very much again for being our being my guest here, and and that's going to conclude this particular episode of the Authors Alley here on Trailblazers Radio. Continue to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and our YouTube page. And we want to continually thank our viewers and our listening audience for being for being just 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 for just just for supporting us and on this journey. Um, I guarantee you we have more we have we have more things on the way we got other things that we're going to have going on for us and we and we're going to continue we're going to continue to bring to bring the content to you so i thank you guys very much for that um if i want if if i will i will leave so i will leave i want to leave you guys with this particular thing and this is something that i this is something that i that i heard and also there's something that i thought about i heard the i heard the late nipsey hustle nipsey hustle say this one thing would you rather be at peace with yourself and at war war with the world, or would you have, or would you rather have peace with the world and at war with yourself? Mm. It's a powerful statement, but it also but it also asks ask and begs the question: which is more important to you? Do you do you want do you want to be at peace with everyone with everyone in the world? And do you or do you want to constantly fight with yourself? Is fight for your identity, fight for your purpose, fight for your fight for your sanity? Mm. Or would you rather under or would you rather be at peace with yourself, knowing that you know your purpose, knowing, knowing that you knowing that you are sane, knowing that you are able and willing to do to that you are able and that you are blessed and highly favored. We don't we don't have we don't always have to we don't the the war with ourselves is always going to be a constant and internal struggle. Mm-hmm. But understanding, but all, but being at peace, but being at peace with yourself brings about a whole brings about a whole lot more a whole lot more benefits than not being at peace with yourself. My my name is FL Beatty, and that is my thought for that's my thought for tonight. I want to again thank my beautiful guest, Miss Melanie Johnson, for being our guest on this show tonight. And again, she is more than welcome to come back at any given time, whenever, whenever she wants to. Just, just give, just give us a little notice, and we got you. Okay, thank you, thank you. So, for ladies and gentlemen, me. that's going to conclude our episode of the Authors Alley. Once again, I am Frederick Beatty. I am FL Beatty. And again, my beautiful, my beautiful guest, Miss Melanie Johnson. We thank you so very much for tuning in. Please, guys, love on each other. Be good to each other. And most importantly, stay safe. Yes. We love you guys with the love of God. And there ain't a damn thing you can do about it. Amen. Until next time, see y'all later.